We have a lot of videos of the podcast and various other tutorials on YouTube. You can subscribe to our channel at mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash YouTube. Happy mixing and enjoy the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every Every time you buy gas, use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Hello and welcome back to the Mix of Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Lavender Lou. Actually, you know what's funny? I don't know if you know, but, um, yeah, I don't know who can see this or not, but Actually, uh, recently- look for anybody that's on the podcast. Lou was <laughs> holding up his his uh, purple painted fingernails. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was kind of funny. So I recently uh, got into an old hobby, and I decided, hey, if I'm a I'm if I'm gonna get into a new hobby, I'd rather kind of do something with it versus just like keeping it at home kind of thing. Uh, just because I have enough at home hobbies like playing video games or something, right? Um, so I started opening up Pokemon cards on live and uh, doing a YouTube channel for it and all that. And it's been cool. It's been fun. Found a community in it. Um, weirdly enough, I found a lot of people that I knew that were into it that I never knew were into it. But uh, when I told my sisters about it, they're like, oh, you're going to do your nails, right? And I was like, uh yeah you mean like cut them and clean them yeah of course they're like no like you're you got to get them professionally done i was like i don't think so and suddenly every girl in the room was like no if you have anybody watching the videos they're going to be looking at your nails more than the cards you're pulling like almost half the people won't be looking at the cards i'm like I oh, that sounds like that a market difference. True. I guarantee that that's yeah not i was true. like <laughs> i think they're in the market for something else other than cards but I was like, you know what? If there's that many people in the room going off about it, I'll fine. So I, I took me, my sister, and Anna to the salon. Um, they went off to get pedicures while I went to go get a manicure for the first time in my life. And keep in mind, like I said, first time in my life, I had no idea what was happening. Well, when it came down to them like actually polishing up my nails and everything, they're like, what color do you want? I was like, oh. And I freaked out, and I was like, purple. 
And yeah, that's the story of how I got purple nails and had to explain to my 98-year-old grandfather why my nails were a different color. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's um, get into today's topic real quick. This is going to be a very short episode, succinct. Um, we want to lose me a, a DM on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And basically, it was like, uh, it was five ways to get your music in front of record labels. And we t- want to talk about insider knowledge, insider experience. Uh, yeah, and kind of talk about ways that we both have successfully been able to reach labels. And this is mostly from the perspective of an artist, right? Like, yeah. um, th- But this can kind of bleed into engineers and producers and whatnot. But um, we're just mostly going to talk about the five different ways that this post on Instagram that we s- found... Um, talked about the five different ways of how to reach a label. And we want to expand mm-hmm. on that. And these are great points. And I'm sure that Lou and I were able to have some great insight into this. Um, and I think number five is the most important. But first, let's get through number one. So, Lou, on this link that you sent me, number one, it says, through a manager. And I'm just going to read this real quick. So um, it says, nearly all of the major record labels only consider new artists that have come through reputable managers that they already have a relationship with. However, these well-connected managers tend to only work with artists who have an established fan base and are already starting to make a name for themselves. Independent labels tend to be more flexible, but the top-level independents also only accept new artists via a manager. Most labels have a no-solicited-submission policy, which means they will not accept any song submissions that have not come through one of their trusted contacts. You can usually find this disclaimer on the label's website. Uh, this is actually a really great point. Lou, um, you know a lot of managers, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure that many of them like to flex how many DMs they get, how many emails they get, but also like to flex how annoyed they are by these DMs and stuff. Um, and but there's also many many times where literally somebody that was extremely not well connected was able to become well connected because of a manager. Like for you and your experience, how important is a good manager to an artist? A good manager is definitely something you want to define because honestly speaking, it's extremely important. When it comes down to it, there's a lot of managers that at a very early point in your career can actually be more damaging than a a better manager would have been or even a decent manager that's good at managing bigger profiles, right? The idea here is that a lot of managers are supposed to help you kind of get your career a little more focused, organized, and directed in the right direction versus a lot of like early career managers kind of say like, oh, I can find you work, I could do this, I could do that, but you know, they might not have the best connections. A good manager isn't always the person that gets you every show under the sun. It's somebody that can actually get you pushing in the right direction now that you have that. So a good manager is really important once you actually have a platform, something that you can actually say, hey, I would like help pitching this. And they will actually take a commission from anything that they can actually find for you. But if you're solely reliant on the idea that a manager is going to find you work, that's not necessarily the way you want to look at the manager. So anytime a manager promises I can find you work versus I can elevate your current platform, that's the one you want to stay away from. Get with the ones that say I can elevate your current platform because they see what you have been putting together and they see what's pitchable about it. Yeah. So um, a great manager can do a lot. And I've seen, so like, for example, 
Um, when I was in Utah, there's a lot of people who help manage bands. And to be fair, when at a local level, these managers are usually friends of people that are in the band. Usually someone's friend or cousin or uncle, family member, someone that's invested into them as individuals. Um, one defining common manager trait is that they have no experience and no network of mu- other music professionals. They just are driven to want to see you succeed, but not necessarily well-connected. Uh, that is a common trait, but honestly speaking, that is the most important trait that you must have in a manager. Yeah. Unfortunately, good management, usually it's a combination of you reaching out to them, but if you have no backing, as I said in the post, like if you don't have any experience, if you have no way to prove yourself, um, then there's no way that a manager will reach out to you. So like they... To a certain degree, managers reach out to you, but you do want to make yourself visible. I have seen in the same scenario in Utah, there was a new manager that had, a, had, that had plenty of experience managing bands and artists, new artists, developing artists, that has credible names and working with credible labels and a history. Um, and he wanted to continue doing his management work out in Utah. He demoed and tried out a bunch of different artists and bands. He wanted to do something like indie, alternative, folk, alternative rock, kind of something. And he tried out, even reached out to me, wanted to know more about my band, come to one of our shows, listen to our music. And he did that with dozens and dozens of local bands. He finally found one that he demoed and found out, felt like he trusted a lot. Uh, They were absolutely nobodies. My band was uh, definitely selling more tickets than they were. And in what seemed like overnight, granted it was a lot longer than that, but what seemed like overnight, this band is now touring across America, has over 150,000 followers on Instagram, and is doing incredibly well. They've been, they've been signed to a major label who sets up tours for them and merch for them. They even have their own on their own sound guy. This was a combination of they just, from the beginning, had damn good music. I think that's the most important thing. <laughs> Let's and start I, there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and on top of that, too, I mean, obviously, to catch this guy's attention, and honestly, um, it's not just the music, too. What has to go along with the music is, I'm sure the manager, when he met up with them, saw the potential for uh, absolute stardom and success because of their hustle, their work ethic, and their commitment to nothing other than the very best. And so that translated and they did really well. So that's how much a good manager can totally turn your life around. Lou, have you seen something similar as well? Maybe even in the opposite direction with a bad manager ruining someone. (laughs) No, so I've actually seen uh, the polar opposite of where a good manager was involved. And when they no longer were involved, you could tell the dramatic difference that they had in the artist's career. Um, I've seen where a good manager was along at the beginning of somebody's career, similar to, to you know, your, your friends, or not your friends, but the band from Utah, where they might have actually had no name at the start. And for a lot of these guys, this manager that I know, you know, that's really what he's looking for. He's looking to develop people and get them to a place where, hey, I can get you in the room, but you need to show me that you're willing to work and everything. Um, well... As soon as he was no longer involved with a lot uh, with some of the artists that I've seen him work with, I've noticed that a lot of them no longer had the platform, no longer had the connections. All of the limelight that they seem to have built up and the confidence that they built up 
you could quickly tell was more because the manager was actually able to get them in a room because his goal was to actually develop them, get them into a room with a certain artists, certain writers, certain producers to get them more involved in the scene. And if they did well, he would keep them around and continue to push them. But if they started to show that, oh, now that I've got this level of success so quickly, is it something that is really me or is it really just you know, my manager. And a lot of times they thought it was them, but in reality, it was a good manager. It was somebody who said, I have the connections to help develop you, but I do not, do not tolerate people who do not want to work. So if you're willing to work, if you're willing to put in the time and then finally be something that a manager is attracted to, a good manager can make a great difference, but a mediocre uh, minimalist manager, you'll stay exactly where you are. But a good manager could also take a, you know, a, a new body in the industry and really, really get them to some rooms that people fight for years to get into very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that managers, just like you said, definitely do make a big deal. And if you are a manager right now, or you work with a manager, someone that is not well connected, some uh, some brief ideas. Uh, a manager that is not well connected, that just is there to support the artist or the group. Uh, they may not know. You may not know what to do if you are the manager. So I'm going to speak to the managers here for a second. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is do a lot of research. Figure out what other outlets artists n- can take upon themselves to reach grow their brand and reach new audiences as well as sell their brand and their audience. For example, the artist may not have time to design all their merch. As a manager, you might be able to help them set up the systems to design, develop, print, and set up shop, including prices for all of the merch. That's just one idea. Maybe you discover about publishing and you recognize that the artist hasn't set up any sort of uh, ASCAP BMI, any PRO, or any sort of song trust or master record, you know, so- sound exchange or whatever. Maybe it's your job now to manage and make sure every single upload has all of this back end information tight. There are many, many things that a manager without any connection can do to help the artist stay focused on what's important, which is the craft of making new music. Now, those are just two small examples. I'm sure that there's hundreds, if not thousands of other ideas, including new ideas nobody has ever done that a manager can help do. Um, But we're going to move on to point number two um, from this post. The point number two of this post of how artists can find uh, record labels. Do do you want to read this one, Lou? Or do you want me to read this one? Uh, I can do it. Uh, This one is online sites, sites like SubmitHub, DropTrack, and LabelRadar. There are a few online platforms that act as a middle person between you and the label. You can upload your music via these platforms and then submit them to your labels of choice. For the three most successful platforms, you have to pay per submission, usually via credits. They are SubmitHub, DropTrack, and LabelRadar. Usually the labels have to listen and respond to your music within a certain period of time, or you'll get your credits back. You will generally find small labels on these sites, but some reputable labels have been known to use these sites as their preferred way of scouting for new artists. So worth a look. So this is true. I have a lot of experience on these sites, both for myself and for artists that I've managed in the past. There, the big important part was at the end, you will only, you will, what to say, you will generally only find small labels on these sites. Mm-hmm. That's true. And if there are labels at all, oftentimes on these sites, it's especially SubmitHub, which is the most popular one. They are mostly playlisters 
or some sort of content creators, right? And this is really, really great. Maybe they'll get you some plays especially. But the problem with these sites is that they're not monetarily enticed to approve you. In fact, they get the money whether or not they deny you or approve you. So most of these people are on the site, and I don't know what their back end is. For example, I wonder if Submit Hub has created new terms of service where you have to accept a certain amount of people to stay an active provider on the site. I don't know if that's changed. That's something that we can look up. But in the past, in the early stages, there was definitely no minimum requirement, and they were they would keep the money. So, for example, five dollars per submission, they would keep the two dollar, two and a half dollars, whatever they kept, um, even if they just said no. So there, that's, that's one of the things It's very non-genuine, ingenuine, like it's not very human. You're literally, yeah, disingenuous. Thank you. Disingenuous, uh, way of submitting music to these labels or curators. It's not the best way to create human connection, but it is a simple, oftentimes free or very, very cheap way of auditioning and trying to get your music in front of the right people. Lou, true. I don't know if you have as much. Do you have experience with these websites as much, or do you want to just? I want don't to have direct there? experience with it. I have have recommended this to artists that I've worked with, and they've kind of communicated their experiences to me. So any anything I have to say is only third person kind of, you know, explanation. Yeah. But honestly, what I've seen is that. Um, I've had a few artists friends that have actually submitted their music for playlisting purposes more than anything. And um, honestly speaking, they get about like a 25% return on what they're actually shooting after. You know, that's, that's can, big it, too. 25% is a lot. Yeah. 25% think is about really it, like, high return on yeah, that website. Think about it. It only takes one yes in the industry to really get you your foot through any door, right? Like you could try to get into record plant all day long. But it only takes one person to say yes for you to actually step through the door. So even if you tried 100 times and one person said yes, fine, you still got your foot in the door. So 25% return average is what I've been kind of seeing for different people. Um, I know that just By the way, if you're um, listening, that's not that's 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 not normal. That's way above average. That's yeah, like that's, extremely yeah. targeted. And if you're yeah. quoting the artist that I think he, he is, he's got a lot of experience and doesn't pitch his music to... Just platforms anyone. that yeah. that will not accept his genre of music or yeah. only submits his stuff to people that have accepted in the past. So 25% yeah. is not normal. Think closer to like 2%. Yeah. Because honestly, his is very, very decisive. He's been doing it a while. He he's been doing yeah. it a while and he's been, he's yeah. has a lot of experience of knowing who to pitch to. Oh yeah. But yeah, let's move on to the third one. Yeah. Number three, collaboration. This Working one, I think to- both me and you both think is important. Oh yeah. Um, as you notice with all of these things, and I I think we're going to close it out and kind of have our last few thoughts as we talk about number five, which I think is a great way to close out this, these five list of five, but collaboration, this is number three. It says working directly with other artists, producers, or writers who already have a deal with a label or who write for a label can be a great way to get your foot in the door. A lot of record deals and record label work come through contacts and from working with people who already work for the label. The industry is built on relationships and who you know. People who are connected to labels tend to be in demand for collaboration, so you will have to bring something special and unique to the table to secure a collaboration with them. This will require a bit of research and relationship building before a proposal to collaborate is made. Yeah. 
Honestly, this is extremely important. Uh, to be honest, I think I've seen more success happen over collaboration than any other thing on this list. In fact, I'm going to skim through the list. Eh, you know what? I could argue that number four is just as important, but I think three is kind of the more, I guess you could say, active foot in the door kind of approach. If you're collaborating with somebody, you've managed to actually get somebody to agree to actually work on something mutually with you. And this actually kind of ups your chances of getting your name kind of spread through uh, different mediums, whether it be through playlists, like you were a featured artist on something. And because of that, um, more people are getting to know you that otherwise never have heard your music before. Or if you're collaborating, let's say, with new producers on some records you want to release instead of working with the same one producer every time, this may actually open your opportunities as being invited as an artist in the room that can maybe uh you know help with the direction of a production or being part of like uh let's say a compilation album or something of that nature there's a lot of opportunities that kind of arise from collaboration that wouldn't happen if you just stuck with your one team now it's okay to stick with your one team if your one team is being extremely effective but if you're trying to get your foot through the door with uh, for in this case a label you know, the label also wants to know who are you surrounded by, who can uh, verify your work, who can actually vouch for your level of work ethic, you know, because they want to know if we invest, let's say on a basic level, a $100,000 budget just in living expenses for the next two years, that's that's dirt cheap. That's 50K a year in living expenses in Los Angeles. We'll say Los Angeles, right? Um, I know in Utah, it may be very, very different, but um, in LA, 50K, you know, 25K of that is going to your apartment alone, you know, and that's if you got a cheaper apartment. Some of these apartments in LA are like 3,500 a month. You're spending almost four, the entire budget on your apartment. Forget <laughs> gas, you know, um, why should we trust you with that money? What's our level of return? What can we expect in return? And so the more you collaborate with people, the more people can actually speak up for your name. Uh, the more managers you can meet down the line who might be able to say, oh, well, I know one of the management that uh, manages uh, one of your artists. You can talk to them and they can vouch for me. You know, they know my work ethic, but collaboration actually opens you up to being able to be a little more pitchable in the idea that more people know your name, more people know your work ethic. And if you have a good work ethic, that's where you want to be. You want to be collaborating. I see labels do this all the time or very, very high end independent artists. Eventually, I see artists and these managers figure out that collaboration is key. And what they do is we see this all the time is that although they can make and mix and record and write all of the music themselves, they go out of the way to collaborate with as many people on the project as possible. There's a few reasons for this. Everybody is prideful and wants to submit um, and promote their own work. For example, if you collaborate with me and have me mix your song you're not just paying for a mix that sounds amazing and probably better than any other mix you've ever gotten before, but also if you're going to if you're going to submit your music to the Grammys, now you've got a voter because I can vote on the Grammys, right? Mm -hmm. And so what what especially for like games like the Grammy, you want to have as many Grammy voting members working on this album or this song as possible so you can have as many people on your side. This is a great way of getting people that are important to sway and be on your side and help out of their own self-interest promote your music and your brand. 
This is actually really incredible. For example, even we just submitted first round voting for the Grammys this year, and I definitely submitted something that I was in consideration for. It did not get nominated on It did not get nominated, but I did vote for the art, the track that I did work on, which is yep. in a category that I usually do not vote under. So I sacrificed because you're usually only allowed to vote in three categories at a time. I picked. I sacrificed my third choice category to vote in a category I'm extremely unfamiliar with just to vote on a track that I worked on. Of course, I'm going to do that. And so that's what you want to do when you work with these high level producers. You're not just paying for their services. You're potentially paying for support and a team in the future, especially if you're able to do more for them and go out of the water. One great way or sorry, one horrible way to approach these people <laughs> is you want them on your team. Let's say you want to work with Murder Beats, right? You go up to him and you lowball him and you complain about his work. <laughs> That's <laughs> one way to lose all of the benefits of you may have a Murder Beats yeah. beat, but you won't get the the support that you want from Murder Beats. That yeah. is necessary for su- success. So there's just something to think about and there are reasons. This is one of the reasons unfortunately that money can go a long way and if you can pay for someone's high-end services in the long run combined with you already make good music and you're a good person to collaborate with and you're able to have synergy with the person you hire maybe a good reason to uh money does go a long way in this scenario yeah i want to take a break before we go on to number four and talk about our sponsors Oh, For this yeah. episode, we're still sponsoring our own podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Mixing Music Podcast. A couple things. One, we have exclusive episodes of the podcast. So if you like this podcast, Mixing Music, and you want three times the amount of episodes, and you want DK and Lou to shut up and talk more about technical mixing and mastering, production, songwriting, tips, just keep it technical. Give me something that I can take home and work on every single every single day. It go to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive for exclusive content. One more time, that's mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive for three times the amount of episodes. That's four dollars a week, or sorry, four dollars a month or forty dollars a year for exclusive content. Otherwise, you can continue to get once a week episodes with me and Lou for absolutely free, no cost to you. The second thing that we want to promote is our YouTube channels. Lou and I both have YouTube channels and we're struggling and we're growing our YouTube channels, but our podcast is way too big in relationship to our YouTube channels, which are much smaller. (laughs) So go and follow our YouTube channels if you listen to the podcast. We literally have tens of thousands of listeners um, and not tens of thousands of subscribers, so let's change that. Follow us on YouTube. So my YouTube is DK Mixes, youtube.com forward slash DK Mixes, D E E K E I Mixes, and Lou's is youtube.com forward slash Mastered by Lou. It's All right. now apparently with an at sign in front of it because oh, yeah, they're now do doing the too. tags. Yeah, so it's youtube.com forward slash at Mastered by Lou, which is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I'm just going to say that. Both both of them work for me, at DK Mixes yeah. or not. So um, that's totally available. Please subscribe if you've considered. We do a lot of content outside of the podcast, which is really, really entertaining. Lou has done a lot of reviews and tutorials, um, and I do the same sort of thing as well. So go check us out um, on YouTube. All right, let's get back into it and go directly into number four. Number four in this list of five is networking. As mentioned, it is a relationship-based industry. If a label manager or A&R person 
knows who you are and trusts you, then you're more likely to have an in into the label. Of course, many people want to get to know the label executives, and so they can be difficult to find and difficult to build relationships with, particularly since they want to keep a low profile to avoid an influx of artists harassing them. Don't be that person. So if you decide to take this route, you'll need to play the long game. Research who the label execs are. LinkedIn LinkedIn is a good resource for this. And then try to connect with them on social media. Don't bombard them with messages. Instead, like their posts and start to slowly build a rapport. This will at least get you on their radar and may open up doors in the future. Don't bombard them with messages or demos. They hate that. They said that three times. Don't bombard yeah. them. Don't message them. Um, this is a really tricky one. You want networking is the title. This It kind of throws you off. Basically, it's like, hey, network, and you want to know these people, but like, don't try to get to know these people, which yeah. is the unfortunate truth. Lou, you talk a lot about this. Um, I have a about, rule about it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. I'll fire you if you start killing the vibe for the clients. <laughs> this, has happened, um, so. this has happened in our studio. It has. But yeah. it's kind of funny. Um, so in a nutshell, I've worked with enough people to be able to say that I've kind of watched a bunch of scenarios go down where I could tell who's getting the call back and who's not just off of the conversation. And unfortunately, at a lot of times, the people that don't get the call back is the first person that's, hey, man, I love your music. Uh, I totally would love to do a song with you. Like, do you mind if I play you a record? It's like, dude, you already fucked up. I'm really sorry. Like, I'm not telling you you shouldn't ask to be able to play them your records. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to learn to read the room. And I think that's the golden rule of, like, that scenario. If you ever find yourself in front of somebody, learn to read the room and learn to read the room really well. Reason being is that you might find yourself in front of somebody who can make a difference in your career. But it's better to actually have an in and for a reason for them to want to remember you than it is to have them listen to your song right now. Um, A good example of this is I know plenty of executives who only really ever talk to me because they know that if there's something that they need done today, as long as they're willing to pay my rate, it can be done today. But. They know it's also going to be done right, not just rushed or anything. So the good thing is I was always known as a Minutemen style engineer coming up. And because of that, a lot of them knew like, hey, call Lou, call Lou. He knows what he's doing. He's really fast about it. He's really good at it. He's a little expensive, but he's going to get it done. He's going to put us in front of the table if we pay a little more, but he's going to get it done right. And the cool thing is they know that I know how to work with difficult people. So sometimes they put me in some big rooms where most people just didn't want to be in the room. And that's how I'd end up getting some of these credits. And this is how I'd end up getting some of these bigger name clients because they knew I was dependable. It wasn't because I ever said, hey, you should listen to my artists and you should listen to their music. Hey, what do you think of my mix? Hey, you should let me mix this song. It was, nope, I'm here. I'm here to work. And when we got to hang out in the sessions, we got to talk a little bit about hobbies and likes. Uh, But I never once said, hey, let me be your guy. No, the more we saw each other, the more we got to be around each other, the more the teams that presented them to me got to like me, the more often I was going to see them anyways. I want to do a little disclaimer about what we're talking about. And I want to bring up something that I don't think I've ever brought up in the podcast before because uh, Lou and I aren't that type of person. I'm especially not this type of person. L.A. cats love to drop names. Oh, my God. To build rapport. 
And they're like, I've worked with this person, with this person, with this person. It doesn't matter at what capacity. They just drop names. I make a point to never drop names, especially among people that aren't in the music industry. And uh, I want to, the reason why I bring this up is because Lou and I are both in the current working music industry. We're not people that had big records with ACDC back in the day. We're not people that haven't worked with executives or A&R, or big labels. We are currently working with these labels, and I'm not going to na- name any specific names, but if you'd like to look it up, on every single episode of the podcast, for SEO purposes, I do a long paragraph at the bottom of the episode description with a bunch of names. That's not even all of the names and the labels, but I, I wrote them there for the SEO part of it and the discoverability of the podcast. Just read that, and know that this is that we're dead serious. And this is current information. With number four, Lou, you do an incredible job networking and keeping the balance. And I want to commend you for that publicly. Thank you. And uh, I do believe that this is the secret. One time, I want to tell a little story. One time we were hanging out with Omas Keith and at his studio. Uh, I think the way in, Omos is the guy that produced, uh, is was part of Odd Future at one point, is now big-time member of the Grammys and is working full-time with that, as well as has a Grammy for working with Frank Ocean's Channel Orange. Hanging out at his studio, uh, my buddy was interning with Omos at the time. And I think I may have told the story in the past, but I'll keep going. I had another friend from Utah come visit me, and we went to go hang out at Omos's studio. My friend who was there that we were talking to, we were just chatting and my buddy was talking to the intern and they hit it off quite well. They hit it off so well, in fact, that they talked for almost two hours straight just among themselves. And I kind of went off and did my own thing. Came back. They were still talking. And at the very end of the conversation, my intern Fred said, hey, man, we should. You're an artist. Bro, you're an artist? Why don't we collaborate sometime? And my friend was surprised. He was surprised because he said, you don't even know what I sound like, if I'm even good or not. And you're offering to do some sort of collaboration. And at the time, it sounded like for free, just for the fun of it. Amazing, amazing, awesome opportunity. And guess how it happened? He didn't even know if his his music could have been ass. We have no idea. He didn't even know that he was an artist until the very, very end when he finally brought it up and said, I make my own music. He didn't even bring it up until the end of a two-hour conversation. And that's when he finally said it. Because for the first hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, he had totally won over the other guy. And by the time that he had won him over and was such a good hang, then he was like, you know what? I'm willing to do something with you. And I think that's the secret with networking. I think the secret with networking is just trying to become friends with other people. If you try to force helping them or getting help from them, you will never be their friends and they will never want to support you. The reason why nepotism is such a big problem, if you need to look up what nepotism is, it means favoring friends and family. So for example, hiring someone, you're going you're gonna to practice a little nepotism and hire someone that you know, probably. The reason why nepotism works so well, not just in music, but in any other workplace, right? You, If your friend is the manager, then you you're likely to more likely to get hired and can get can get a ex, uh, expedited chair into and in, get an expedited hire right um, but in this scenario the more people you know 
And the better you just want to genuinely care for them and genuinely interested in them and become their friends, the more likely that you will have opportunities. People think networking means pitching your product or buying their product. It's, that's not it. It's just becoming friends and then bringing it up because then if you allow them to find selfish self-interest in you, then it'll be a lot more genuine. Exactly what Lou said. Then you have yeah. a genuine connection. You do oh, not yeah. want and, and waste years potentially in a disingenuous power imbalanced relationship because another thing too is if you have someone in power right work with someone they give you power then if you're given that power then there's going to be a forever perpetual power imbalance we, I, maybe this is another t- podcast topic that we can talk about um, but if you work on it together and you both come into agreements, there's a balance of power and much more long-lasting, happy relationship for years to come in a oh, great yeah. way, a great success formula. So uh, keep that in mind. People, way too many people. You know, I, I'm in a, I don't, I'm not saying this in like a pride factor, um, but I have many people DM me, like just release music with no context. I block them. And if I was following you, I unfollowed you. So if you're wondering why I've unfollowed you recently, it's because you probably sent me unsolicited promo information. That is, um, I do think that you should promote your music. That's not the way. I guarantee that's not the way. And you just look like a jackass. And imagine that. I think that. And I don't have as many people DMing me as much as the execs and A&R do. Yeah. I get very few compared to the A&R, and I still think that they're jackasses. So what do you think that they think? <laughs> what do you think the A&R and the execs think, right? So it's kind of funny. One of them told me that he switched his inbox mode, and just so you guys know, this is actually pretty common, uh, to messages uh, in the primary inbox are only from people they follow. So if they don't follow you, you're going to what's known as a request list, which means oh, I have you don't even know if they saw it or not, even if they opened it. They have they still have to accept the message before it even shows red. I have that, yeah. So all yeah. of my all of my new DMs, people that have never DM'd me before, will go into a message request folder, yep. and I usually don't ever go through them, and it takes me a while. Yeah. So if you are someone that I took a while to respond to, that's because you were in my message request, and I didn't even see a new message pop up. And when I got bored, it won't even one notify day, you. Yeah. Late, when I got bored one day a month later, and I finally responded to your message, that's why. It's not because I'm a dick. It's because I didn't see your message. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry. Instagram won't even notify you of it. I, I try my best to look through it though, because I know a lot of people are DMing us at Master mm-hmm. by Lou at DK Mixes. Anyway, oh yeah, uh, number five, and this is the last one. This is super duper important. I'm going to read this one real quick. It says number five. They will come to you. Most record labels won't show any interest in an artist unless the artist is already killing it independently. Labels do scout Spotify playlists or editorial playlists looking for new artists, but they are looking for artists who are gaining millions of streams. But they're also looking at media interest, whether you're selling out local shows and if there is a general buzz about you. If you're lucky enough to catch their eye from media buzz or due to success on the likes of Spotify, then they will approach you. And this is generally how the industry works. Labels tend to scout for the artists they want rather than signing artists who approach them. Concentrate on concentrate on building a fan base, getting on the best Spotify playlist, and performing live to generate as much buzz as possible. Boom. Yep. 
Yeah. This is so, so important and so underrated. Lou, I have so many thoughts, but I'm going to let you start. Sure. All right. So on this one, it's extremely important for a lot of times. Like, how can I put this? You have artists who will constantly reach out and only have one song out, two songs out, you know, or here's one of my favorite ones. They released an album and one song seemingly blew up quite literally overnight with no marketing, no Instagram, no Twitter that's done well or anything. I hate to admit it, but a lot of what these labels are doing is they scout uh, these I guess you could say these reports that Spotify and Tidal can send out because there is actually a label back end to these platforms where they can actually see, hey, this artist just blew up. And if it's an artist they've never heard of, they'll check out, okay, they actually don't have a huge platform, but they actually have consistency. Okay, we've noticed your one song because a one hit wonder is never anything really something to sign right because what do you get from the rest if it's a one-hit wonder but if you start you noticing know. that you they release, know. yeah you never know but let's say that they get a second song a third song that's out and they're starting to see consistency they will invite you out they actually have a means of finding what your email is how to contact you and everything um, because these platforms are actually helping them by giving them these metrics they pay a monthly amount for these metrics to be updated on a weekly basis they want to know new releases Who's doing well? Who should they keep an eye out on? But if they go and check out your account and they see, okay, how is it that all of his other songs have 20 plays, but this one has a million plays? How is it that they have 10 posts on Instagram that get seven likes, but they have 1 million plays? There's also no fooling the system. You know, they will come to you, but they want to see an actual organic growth, even if it's in smaller numbers. They don't care if you hit a million plays right now. I know artists that are signed to labels with 100,000 plays, with 50,000 monthly listeners and everything, because they see potential. They see what they can do. But they also see the actual interactions. Are you engaging with your fans? Are you actually out on social media platforms? Are you on YouTube? Are you actually, once again, networking? Are you collaborating? Uh, for instance, uh, Russ had a really good approach, which was weekly releases and seeing his fans wanting to work with everybody and seeing his fans reaching out to him. So aside from his own weekly releases, he also I had a ton of features going out those same weeks. So dude was releasing almost a song a day a year at one point because of all of his feature works. If you consider other people's releases, part of his releases, but they approached him. He created a platform. He created something that they were enticed by. Now, yes, you could say that he had a lot of connections, but does that not go back to networking? Does that not go back to his collaborations? You know, but he built up his platform and they came to him at some point. So this is this is actually really great. This is something that I have personal experience that the, the couple of the the senior and junior vice president of ANR at Republic label face to face cuz I almost got signed by Republic at one point said the same exact thing. At the end of the day we come to you. And if we notice you're doing waves cuz at one point my band was making waves and so they invited us out, they paid for a hotel and flew us out to LA from Utah. And uh, did not get the deal that I was hoping for, all right? The classic story of every engineer's start to their career. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, uh, but I learned a lot in that situation, and they basically said, this is very true. They come to you, and we see this a lot in our current works. I want to answer a few questions before we, I divulge and talk more about this. Number one, is it worth getting signed to a label? 
And the answer is, in this day and age, in 2022, the answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. And dare I say, you will not do well or you will only cap how well you will do if you do not sign to a label. Now, we hear crazy stories of people complaining and not making the money that they deserve. You got to remember, when Meg the Stallion complained about her not making enough money, two years ago, she was making less than $100,000. Two years later, she made $3 million and then was complaining that the label should have given her more. Just to put things into perspective. All right? So, (laughs) these are publicity stunts. They cause drama for the eyeballs, but I'm going mm-hmm. to tell you something. It is definitely worth signing to a label. Here's the deal. This is one basic and logical reason why. In order to scale your brand and to monetize and collect and broaden, widen your net of all of the income that you could be making as well as broadening your audience, you have to juggle many different things. And often you're going to find yourself that you'll have to eventually hire out for all these different positions. Let's just say a few off the top of my head. Airplay, radio plays, PR, social media management, interview scheduling, live shows, merch, exclusive tours, (laughs) uh, Sirius XM, master a copyright, uh, licensing, sync licensing, These are just the things off the top of my head. Each one of those is a full-time salaried, potentially a full-time salaried position. Yep. You will need to hire someone to do all of that for you eventually. Guess what? At the beginning stages, you can do it all yourself. There's not a lot going on as far as sync placement. And there's not much good that you can do from pushing it all yourself. You don't have much leverage. You can do it all yourself. You can make all your merch. You can book all your shows. But now... You have access to an entire team who can book you full, entire cross-country or maybe even um, even across the globe tours. Great. Now everything is accelerated. You may have a smaller piece of the pie, but the pie is significantly bigger. And that small piece that you'll get is still significantly bigger than the entire pie than if you were doing it yourself. You need a label to scale. It's a business decision. At the end of the day, these labels, just like any other financing option or, or just like Shark Tank, when they want to invest into a company, they are taking a risk. They want their money to make money, right? And their leverage and their network to make money. If you have no proven history of success, there's no fucking, you are out of your mind if you think anybody with money is smart to invest in you. This is a conversation that Lou and I had uh, a couple quarters ago with an artist that we will not name that does not work with us anymore, that we do not want to work with him anymore. He came up to us, offered us free services and said, can you put everything on the back end and do a percentage split with us, the entire album and do all of the work, which is tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. uh, for free in exchange for back in royalties. The first question that I asked was, do you have a history of making any money from your back end royalties? No, this is our first, first releases. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? No. Yeah, no. You, you crazy. Like imagine yeah, no. pitching that on Shark Tank. <laughs> if you don't have something that you can't pitch on Shark Tank, if you don't have a brand that is pitchable on Shark Tank, then there's no reason no track record, no rapport, no history of success. 
If you are one of those artists that complain about having to make Instagram reels and TikToks and you're just so lazy you can't do it yourself and you don't want to pay the money to have somebody else do it for you, then there's no fucking way a label is an, a label of any significant portion will ever want to sign you and that is the truth. I don't care how harsh it is. It is the truth. And if I, as a mix engineer, make more posts and have more followers than you on social media for making a podcast about mixing music, then how in the hell do you think you'll get ever any attention from from people that are that are actually looking for people that are working harder than you? It's It's a sad truth, but it's a truth that needs to be heard. So, so if you want to get signed, which you should, if you want to make it big, you cannot do this on your own. You want to get signed. You have to put in the work and you have to prove it. You have to become a brand that is people want to invest in. Okay. I'm done ranting. Rant. So, so, so (laughs) this is true though. Lou, I mean, like we know so many people that are like, I want to get this. I'm my own team. I could do this by myself that are like totally affected by the Dunning-Kruger effect and yep. don't they break all the rules they don't collaborate with anybody because they want to do it themselves maybe it comes from a place of being cheap I don't know it doesn't matter you can collaborate with people and still be cheap I think there's ways around it <laughs> you don't yeah. have to give value in money but you you can give value in time and in other ways in service right but um, yes there's this is this all comes together with this one they they will come looking for you you yeah. need to put in the work yourself Honestly speaking, it, it's it's one of the saddest truths because, like you said, there are people out there who, unfortunately, I'm not saying that it's a bad idea, but just can't seem to wrap their head around of not doing everything themselves. Um, I know uh, in a business sense, that was definitely me about two years ago. Um, I'm very used to running my business by myself. I do all my own things. I do all my bone bookings. I I do all my own mixing, my own mastering, uh, all the recording sessions I would do. And then upon opening this new studio, something where it was based around the idea of becoming a little more commercial versus personal, right? You could still own a very professional studio as a personal studio and you could still book it out. But if you ever wanted to scale, you have to learn the idea that in order to be able to do more and to expand, you also need teams. You need people that you can trust. Um, but if you do everything yourself, you're, you're going to limit how much you can scale. You're going to have to do everything yourself at first. You yeah, have you're to going build to a portfolio. To. You're going to have but to. But you're going to have to learn to scale and build up. Now, if you ever want them to approach you, they need to see that you can grow. And if you can't grow, then what are they trying to grow? They're and more, looking at a dead root in the ground. This is true. They want to see growth and a history of growth in the past, but they also want to see the potential for growth. Right. In in marketing, especially marketing for products, there's something called the life cycle. And they want to catch every single product or brand market uh, uh, artist at the beginning of their life cycle. Because once they get older and the life cycle starts to end, they become a lot more popular. Things that have a very short life cycle is is brand new automobiles or iPhones. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. They have to keep renewing them every single year to keep the hype an artist, how many years do you got? Sometimes it's only two years. Sometimes it's 20 years. And there's, there's a point where artists eventually, through age, uh, have to either re-innovate, reinvent themselves. And we see lots of artists doing this all the time, Beyonce. And, uh, <laughs> and, and <laughs> in order to stay relevant. So, and 
pro- and these labels are very aware of these trends and they're very data driven, extremely data driven. And you should be too. There's oh, yeah. a website that I want to recommend that's $10 a month. If you do the cheaper version, the, I paid the $150 a month. It's like $140 a month if you can. That's the really, really nice version if you want to, if you are the manager of a label or if you are wanting to do your own thing or wanted to get high-end analytics, the same analytics that labels see, you can go to chartmetrics.com and pay the $10 a month. There's limited data that you can find. Um, but for the $140 a month, you can find really, really in-depth analytics from all of the major streaming platforms and will cross-analyze and compare statistics for you. For example, if you are a $140 a month user, which I was, I was able to see which artists were growing the fastest this week on Spotify. And I oh, could yeah. cross-check to see how they were doing a week before. The reason why that information is useful is now I can see who I want my artists that I'm managing to collaborate with. Because if they're growing up big, that means they're not quite big enough to say no to a free or cheap collaboration, but they're doing so well in that moment that if you get something in now, then they might blow up, right? So that's like one really easy way to use the analytics. And these analytics go a long way. Um, a part of chart metrics, if you do the full bundle, it's like also radio contacts, these editorials, what playlists your fans are listening to and what other artists your fans are listening to, what other playlists your fans are listening to that you should apply to (laughs) Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Uh, really, really great analytics. Um, if you are management or wanting to help with the marketing of, the artist, then you got to be a data freak, a data analyst. And that's something that I will not get into, but I myself, Lou, you know how much into data and numbers I am. Um, and oh, yeah. is, is part of the big reason of this success of this podcast. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to get much into it. Do well, do hard, work hard. Uh, last thing that I want to end on a good note, I, cause I know I kind of put, uh, the fire in everybody's face, getting on everybody's ass about not working hard enough or whatever, building mm-hmm. false expectations. The last thing that I want to n- end on is a hopeful note and say that never in the history of the entire world has getting attention ever been this democratized, democratized, democratized yep. has never been this equal. Because of social media algorithms, anybody can get attention by making consistent and creative content. Anybody. And you can do it with an iPhone. In fact, you can make trashy, shitty memes with a two megapixel phone. And as long as the shit is creative and funny, you can still do well. You don't even need a nice iPhone camera. Nope. The fact of the matter is, if you aren't doing well, it is 100% your fault. The good news is, is that... Because it is your fault, you can also turn it around. You can make consistent content. And you can make creative content. And you can blow your shit up yourself without the help of anyone else. And then once you start rolling the snowball, then the labels can come and sign you. So number one, is it worth signing a label? Yes. Number two, they will come to you. So you got to do everything that you can. All right. Uh, On that note, I think this is a great place to end. Any other thoughts, Lou? Um, no, just be patient with it and do good work and rule of thumb, rule of thumb, be consistent. What was the phrase? Narc said this to us. Narc is one of our assistants. Um, he, he said he, he quoted someone. I need to look this up. Maybe I should Google this, but I'm going to try to spitball it anyway. 
He said that extraordinary people, ex- there's no such thing as extraordinary people. Extraordinary people are just ordinary people being extraordinarily consistent. I, or it's something basically like that. in that range. No, you, you've got it. It is a quote. I know what you're talking about, but you got close enough to it. I can't quote it myself. Yeah. So it's ordinary yeah. people being extraordinarily consistent. Yep. Something along those lines. That's all it is. Our, all of our favorite influencers and YouTubers and TikTokers, all they do is be way more consistent than any other people. And you'd oh, be yeah. surprised how difficult it is to be consistent. Even if you do something stupid, if you're consistent, eventually something's going to happen. And most people give up before they do. I won't even get into the data and the numbers because there's actually numbers that support how consistent you need to be. I think TikTok just released um, for a big for big followers, big accounts with big followers, on on average, it took daily posting for a year and eight months before they finally had their first big post on average, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yep. Every, every day for a year and a half on average. All right. So uh, just something to think about. On that note, I hope everybody succeeds. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. The Mixing Music Podcast is proud to say that we have a lot of free resources outside of the actual podcast. Visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash links to find access to our free PDFs and free resources. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.